This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome into Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacey Rost here with you on this Tuesday night. And Stacey, it was about 24 hours ago. That there was still a whole lot of uncertainty yeah. with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and whether or not they were going to reach an extension and whether or not anything was going to happen. Maybe the negotiations were going to break down. They were never going to speak to each other again. When it went so late, you really didn't know for sure. It I had did. two versions of a story up on my computer. I was just waiting sh- to press send on either one. Yeah, I was just sitting there shopping on my phone, as waiting for the news you do, to come out. As we all do. Yeah. I told myself because I was watching the end of last night's Mariner game and I told myself I'm not going to make it to midnight and plus it turned out that the news trickled out a couple of hours after midnight I wasn't going to make it that far I went to bed about 10 30 and I woke up I woke up to because I knew I was going to wake up to the news whether it be good or bad right and I saw the 710 ESPN Seattle notification, which, mm-hmm. by the way, you get if you download the app on iTunes or Google Play, which you should be doing every single day. I saw the, the notification. I was like, all right, that's good. That's a good thing to wake up to. But, uh, yeah, Russell Wilson in Seattle. He is going to be the Seahawks quarterback, contractually obligated for the next four years, $140 million, 65 of that guaranteed so much to get to tonight here on Seattle Sports at Night. I mean, you'd think with Jake Heaps back in town, he would be with us, but no, he's busy. Nope. He's busy once again hamming it up with the oh, morning show. I'm Jake. I'm too important for no. you guys. <laughs> wow, <laughs> people are gonna think we really hate Jake, which we don't because when he I came in the building to today, face. yeah, when I came into the <laughs> building today, he gave me a hug and was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And then we gave him a really hard time. Yeah, we did, which, as we always do. It's, he can take it. We kid because we care. Exactly. That's that's like our, our love language. Mm-hmm. I believe they have, like, gifts, uh, quality time. Ours is kidding. Ours is Ours is teasing. Yeah. That's how you know we care about yeah. you. If we make fun of you, it just means we love you. Exactly. Uh, lots to get to here on this edition of Seattle Sports at Night. It's going to be jam-packed with Russell Wilson news, obviously it being the biggest story of the day. we got four-down territory, including what is going to be some of the fallout of this Russell Wilson extension. Uh, but let's get into how we open up every single night by looking at what is on tonight's timeline. And obviously, we're 24 hours now from the deadline, and the Seahawks and Russell Wilson have agreed to a four-year, $140 million contract extension, $65 million signing bonus. As we've heard today, negotiations really did come down to the wire. There was some, there was not really a whole lot going on mm-hmm. in the hours leading up to it, but once the deadline came closer and closer to that midnight, I think the urgency certainly ramped up. Sounds like there were kind of far apart just a couple of hours before that deadline but great to see both sides work something out and really it sounds like there haven't been any hurt feelings on either side yeah no and uh tom pelissero was on with clayton earlier today and said it really did come down to the wire that that final offer that uh wilson and ended up signing was was offered around 11 30 p.m 
Um, so truly just right up to the deadline, uh, similar to how it was in 2015 when they signed it in kind of the late hours of the night slash early morning. Um, but I think it's a win-win for both sides if you're looking at it from that point of view. Uh, the Seahawks were able to, for the most part, stay to their contract structure. Um, it's not some fully guaranteed deal. It's not tied to a salary cap percentage. Um, it, it's just a deal that I think most people would have guessed. Uh, and I was among those who did not think it would get done. Just, yeah, just from I the get-go. So and, and even knowing that... Uh, that what Wilson was asking for was, um, I think, what anyone would kind of expect, that anytime a new quarterback gets a deal, it's always going to be just a little bit higher than the one that came before him. Um, and so I think that it's a win for Wilson, but it wasn't this just extravagant. It sounds like a lot, but it's about the same percentage as Aaron Rodgers. Coming up in about 10 minutes, Russell Wilson, he's been extended by the Seahawks. So what's next for the team? What is next on that checklist as they enter into the NFL draft year in less than a less than two weeks, yeah, we're nine so, days away. Yeah, we're less than a week and a half away now from the draft. What's next on their radar? Is it Frank Clark? Is it Bobby Wagner? What will be that next move that the Seahawks make as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft? Another big event on the NFL calendar. Well, it's the releasing of the calendar. Next year's league schedule will be released on Wednesday night at 5 p.m. on ESPN2. We know the opponents for the Seahawks. We just don't know the dates and times of those games. There have been a lot of rumors trickling out today about possible a Thanksgiving Day game mm-hmm. against the 49ers. Don't know if the validity of that, but that's certainly exciting because, I mean, Thanksgiving Day is that's a day when you're already glued to the television, watching football, eating food like crazy. To have a, a, an interest in the games that are going on, that's that's an exciting thing. Well, and I think for teams, it's it's good to maybe receive those primetime slots and, and to be seen as a premier team in the league. So I think, uh, you know, occasional Thanksgiving game, but on top of that, Sunday night games, Thursday night games, those ones are big for Seattle. Monday night games as well. You look at the home schedule opponents, obviously they're going to play the NFC West, uh, but then you've got... The Saints, Bucks, Ravens, Bengals, and Vikings all coming to town. And then the away schedule, the Seahawks will make, I believe, five separate trips to the Eastern Time Zone. Falcons, Panthers, Browns, Eagles, and Steelers. Yikes. That is a lot of traveling. That's a lot of potentially 10 a.m. Yeah, starts which for us. I, I, <laughs> I'm not, not a fan of the 10 a.m. start. I'm not crazy about it Um, I because it also means that we have to get up hours before that yeah and I, we are talking yeah. about this like players are like yeah we're playing talking at, about this and we're like, like oh uh, i know you had to work out but i had to put on pants yeah so like uh, we both kind of i couldn't go to brunch that day yeah and like, that's everyone knows sunday morning is brunch day yeah it's but, so annoying so the seahawks will find out their schedule tomorrow night 5 p.m on espn 2 which of those games are you most looking forward to next season? Text that in. Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710. Some bad news for the Seattle Storm. Reigning WNBA MVP Brianna Stewart will miss the upcoming season after tearing her Achilles while playing overseas in Russia. This is such an avoidable thing that I think the WNBA absolutely has to consider is because most of the players in the league have to go overseas in their offseason in order to make ends meet whereas the WNBA like you're 
partly owned by the NBA. It's not like the NBA is hurting for cash here. Mm-hmm. Like, just throw them a bone. Have them make a livable wage right. and not have to go and play and, and risk injury. Which happened, obviously. Yeah, with their Worst MVP. Case scenario. With the, a player on the reigning championship team, there's a good chance the Storm now aren't going to repeat in 2019, which is rather unfortunate because yeah. this is a young ball club. This is a team that could potentially rattle off three, four, five championships here over the next decade. Unfortunately, 2019 doesn't look like that's going to be the case. And Stewart's production averaged nearly 22 points per game, eight boards, shot 53% from the field last season. All NBA or all WNBA first team finals MVP, WNBA All-Star game, just a brutal loss uh, for the most important player. Yeah, no, and I would love to, you know, related to that, get someone on to uh, just talk in general about some of how that salary works in the WNBA because I think that too often some of the critiques are like, well, no one watches it, which isn't true. No. Um, but also I think there are, there are deeper problems uh, with some of that. So I think it's something that uh, you want to see change, but it's as much as you'd love it to not be part of the story, it is. So yeah. I'd want to learn more there. It's a it's a massive part to this story. Uh, just an unfortunate blow for the Storm's title hopes in 2019. And then a team who's got title hopes of their own right now in the NBA playoffs. It was a couple seasons ago the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. I remember. As the internet does mm-hmm. at every single turn, mm-hmm. the Warriors remember. They blew a 3-1 series lead. People forget. It's like the Falcons' halftime lead. You just see well, everywhere. Golden State last night, they blew another different kind of 3-1 lead. A 31-point lead to the LA Clippers in game two of their first-round series at home. And then, oh, by the way, they lost to Marcus Cousins potentially for the remainder of the postseason. Reportedly tore his quad. Could return in time for the NBA Finals if Golden State makes it that far, but wow. That, I can't, I don't know which is worse. Blowing a 31-point lead in an NBA game or losing your starting center, a guy who's been an all-star previously. Yeah, losing the starting center would obviously, to me, be worse, but that is one of the worst. Did that set a record? I believe that was the biggest lead blown in an NBA playoff game. Because that's the biggest I can think of. Yeah, every now and then you'll see about like a 25-point lead get blown. But But with how much time left? Seven minutes? It was longer than that, but it was a second-half 31-point lead. That's wild. Yeah. Oof. Golden State, I mean, yeah, it seems like the title is going to be handed to them again just because of their top-level so talent. Stacked. But, man, they have had just issue after issue, like infighting going on this year. Do you think it makes it that much more obvious how talented guys like Steph Curry are when you look at how dysfunctional parts of that franchise is and that they somehow still are in the hunt and still a top team. And I think it also speaks to the level of dysfunction in that locker room when you've got the ultimate players coach and Steve Kerr and you've got who many consider to be like the friendliest leader in in the league in Steph Curry on that team. You've got two guys who are just so positive and just such good guys. And then you see like Kevin Durant and Draymond Green are off fighting over here. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, you don't know what he's up to. It's just like, what the heck, man? Like, you've got everything you need to win a title, and it just seems like 
they're going to implode. I don't think Golden State stays together past this season. I think Kevin Durant is is going somewhere else, mm-hmm. and I think maybe Draymond Green could be on his way out as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, just thirty one points. That is so insane. And then you lose your starting center on top of that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, well, Brent Stecker might attribute it to some kind of curse. Yeah. Now, Brent, he's got his Stecker theories. He also is a big proponent of, or not proponent, but he's definitely like aware of curses. He says he doesn't believe in them, but he's also not going to mess with them. Yes, that the upside-down trident that the Mariners have is mm. a real curse. Yes. And I think that there's something he could read into Golden State right now. He'd figure out what it is. He'd be like, this is what it is. This is the curse that they fell into. Yeah. This is all their fault. So curse beat, that's Brent Stecker for yep. you. We'll, we'll get back to him and Friend figure out what's show. going on with the Warriors. Absolutely. But uh, we're going to figure out what's going to go on with the Seahawks up next now that Russell Wilson has been extended. What is their next move? Is it trading Frank Clark? Is it extending Bobby Wagner? Is it extending Frank Clark? Is it getting more draft picks? What is the very next thing that goes on their radar? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up in about 15 minutes, it's time for another edition of Big If True. This one coming to us from the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero talking about the future of Frank Clark with the Seahawks and whether or not it is feasible for the team to continue to pay him uh, top dollar now that Russell Wilson has been extended with Bobby Wagner also being up for a new deal that's coming up in about 15 minutes. You can listen to Seattle Sports at night via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Accurate dealers. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Rost here. Now that Russell Wilson has been extended, what is next for the team? What is their next move? What is that next domino to fall over the next couple of weeks, or at least over the next week and a half with the draft coming up? And I look at what the Seahawks did in extending Russell Wilson. I think it shows that they're not afraid to throw around money, even though it may have backfired a couple of years ago with Cam Chancellor, mm-hmm. uh, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, all those guys. It shows that they are still willing to reward guys who are here and who have performed well. And I think this is a contract more about paying Russell Wilson over the next couple of years than rather what he has accomplished here. I look at Frank Clark and Bobby Wagner. Obviously, they're the next two biggest question marks here. I think it bodes better for Bobby Wagner than it does for Frank Clark. In order now, to is get that, that next because of Wilson's history with the extension in 2015 coming just a day before Wagner's? Or, or what was it the other well, way around? That it, that Either way, those two extensions were seen as kind of being tied to each other yeah. with Bobby Wagner being that kind of quarterback of the defense, being that guy that that they can build around, that um, that that was kind of involved in that same time frame. I mean, they were back-to-back. Yeah. Is I it think, part of that? I think what it is is that you can, you can sit here and say that Bobby Wagner is the best middle linebacker in football. And you can sit here and say that Russell Wilson is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Maybe you could make the argument that maybe he is the best quarterback in the NFL. Can you sit here and say that Frank Clark is the best pass rusher in the NFL? 
No. no. You can't. And it's not for, I think he's a top tier pass rusher. Yes, I think he is at that level. He's at a Pro Bowl level. He's yeah. a guy who could possibly be on an all-pro team one day. But he is not at that level. Well, and you've got stiff competition at that level. You do. There's a lot of guys around the league who are making strong cases for that. Bobby Wagner is leaps and bounds ahead of the next closest guy, who I think a lot of people point to as being Luke Keekley. But Luke Keekley, he's been banged up the last couple of years, mm-hmm. may not be as effective as he once was, whereas Bobby Wagner has showed no signs of slowing down. Last year may have been his best season And playing in the through NFL. a, was it a hamstring injury yeah. all year? and just absolutely wreaked havoc wherever he went on that defense. One of two All-Pros for Seattle. Yeah, Michael Dixon being the other one. Yep. Shout out to the Aussie. Russell Wilson, <laughs> though. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner both, I think, have still have some youth on their side with Russell being, I think he's 30 years old now. Uh-huh, turning 31. Yeah, and Bobby Wagner, who is not yet 30. I think he'll be turning 30, but he is on... I feel like if I remember correctly, kind of on the younger end of where he would be seasons wise. So some players will have like seven seasons, but they might be a year or so younger than other guys at that position. Yeah. In the same time frame, if that makes sense. And also, I feel like players at linebacker and at quarterback age better than they do at pass rush. Yeah. I don't think Frank Clark is going to be at this level for four or five more seasons. I don't see it happening. I think it's I think it's possible. I don't think I see it less as um not a wise investment in talent. I I I think that he uh is certainly from any like scout's perspective um an incredibly talented player that could that could offer you some some consistency for a couple years, but I think the question with Seattle is more financial and the trade capital that you have. And and I think that uh, – obviously that's not all of it, but I think that is weighing, if I were to guess, more into this decision than is um, whether or not he'll, he'll hold up at the same yeah. you know, performance for a couple of years. He's only 25 – I think he's 25 turning 26. He might uh, be yeah, he'll be 26. Now, I think in June is when he turns 26. Yeah, and I think that you still see, you know, pretty elite pass rushers that are a year, two, three years older. Um, he doesn't have an extensive injury history. Um, he hasn't missed a lot of time. And when you think about it, he doesn't have a ton of – last year was his first full season starting. So he's only got one season of of – kind of complete reps. And it was his best season. Exactly. Today. He doesn't and, have three full seasons of wear and tear on his body or four at this point. But yeah. that being said, he is carrying a price tag that you you might not be able to afford if you're Seattle when if should you decide to extend Bobby Wagner because I think Bobby Wagner being kind of a wild card here could be asking for somewhere in the area, right? Like an 18 million. Yeah. I think Frank Clark and Bobby Wagner's ultimate price tag, or at least their asking prices are going to be similar Mm -hmm. because Bobby knows that he's the best linebacker in football. And we saw what Quan Alexander, the 49ers, he signed what for 17.5, right? Which I mean, just based off of who's better, Bobby Wagner, certainly more deserving of that 17.5 price tag 
that Alexander got. Uh, Frank Clark, seeing what Demarcus Lawrence got With in like Dallas, twenty one million, twenty one as well. Who's more deserving of that price tag that they've set for themselves? I still think it's Bobby. I, yeah. I it comes out to being Bobby, and this isn't me saying that I want Frank Clark gone. Like I, I think he, oh, he's he has no business being here in Seattle. No, it's just financially, I don't see. Well, and the reason it's a tough decision is because they're three of the most talented players on your team, and with that comes a, a high price tag. Yeah, so that's the reason the conversation's happening in the first place. For any fans that are texting in, like, why do you hate Frank Clark? <laughs> yeah, and then it, it's the feasibility of how how do you pay all three of these guys? Can you pay all three of these guys? Well, and that one of them specifically, that two of them are at the two most expensive uh, positions in the league at um, pass rusher, defensive end, and quarterback, and the other is the best player at his position and can command a higher salary at his position. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, he joined John Clayton earlier today and he said the Wilson signing actually doesn't hinder the Seahawks from going out signing other players, that they're in a good cap spot. The Seahawks, as much as it looks on paper like they've been tight against the cap, and this year I think they had about $11 million in space before doing this deal, if you look out at their committed cap space in 20 and 21, it's the second lowest in the league over those two years outside of the, the Los Angeles Chargers. So in other words, they had very little money committed in those years, in part because Russell Wilson's contract would have been coming off the books. So this is in no way, you know, the death knell. Bobby Wagner's going to walk now, and Jaron Reed's going to walk now. They do have some decisions to make in terms of Frank Clark, but they still do have some flexibility. They've been planning for this. Uh, and when they're going to the youth at some other spots, they have to let all those veterans go. That's a byproduct of that. I think when I hear that, it puts people like myself at a little more ease because I'm only viewing this, I'm guilty of only viewing this from a 2019 cap space standpoint. Whereas, as he brings up, they have a ton of cap space also in 2020 and then in 2021 also because, well, Bobby's not signed yet. Frank's not signed yet. Russell just got signed yet. Who else on the team? Well, you team? probably have some dead money that kind of falls off, too. Yeah, Cam's deal, he's off the books as well after this season. And granted, every, every team is going to look like they have a ton of salary cap when you look ahead because they haven't extended players mm-hmm. that, that would need extensions between now and 20 or 2020 or 2021 yeah. but that being said they that influx of players they have who are in their first second or third years heading into next year is is paying off for the next two plus years in terms of they no longer have to sign you know eight players at a time to big extensions um, when they have you know a young secondary or uh, young running back group. So if you look at the Seahawks checklist, their offseason checklist, they've got Russell Wilson taken care of. What is that next move? What do you address in the next couple of days? Is it just simply getting your draft board figured out, or do you involve well, I think part Frank of, Clark in that? Well, that's the thing. I think part of getting your draft board figured out, if you're John Schneider, is considering – all of the trade options you can make, maybe like what what the limit you would be willing to accept is. Um, I mean, I've never drafted a team, oh, so weird. I so yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know. Uh, you know, that what, only makes one of us. <laughs> what goes into that? But I'm sure that trade scenarios are are part of that, right? You're figuring out kind of the value of losing a player versus what you're gaining. So, um. 
But as far as extensions go, I would think that Bobby Wagner would be the next one you're looking at. Um, I I just think it's it's not just less money than you would have to shell out for Frank Clark, but it's someone who um, I think the organization genuinely likes that Pete Carroll has had nothing but great things to say. It's not that they don't like Frank Clark at all, um, but you lost uh, a lot of, you know, leaders on the team in loud voices um, a year ago. And I think that Bobby Wagner's is one who has continued to develop. Now, what if I told you that there are multiple NFL teams interested in trading for Frank Clark? Would that switch around your priority list? Perhaps. What if I told you an NFL insider said that, who may have a little more cachet than myself? Wow. Which is hard to believe. Now we're talking. Us being here late at night, that anybody could have more sway in the NFL than us. But This is actually the prime spot. This is where they pit the goods. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's like... What is it? Morning drive East Coast time right now? That's what we're talking <laughs> no, about? No, we're Hawaii time, Oh, dude. that's right. Yeah, we're, we're just... We're PM drive Hawaii yeah, time. PM drive Hawaii. People going out Aloha. to party. Exactly. Turn up on a Tuesday. They're tuning into us right now. Don't forget, we're trying to you you say, know, pander to the Hawaii crew. Going up, going up on a Tuesday. Aloha, you guys. Actually, it's kind of more like a Wednesday morning here. But uh, yeah, coming up next, it is time for Big If True. One NFL insider out there saying that Frank Clark could have some takers if he is, in fact, available. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up about 15 minutes from now. Time for another edition of Four Down Territory. NFL schedule gets released tomorrow. Which are the most interesting games on the Seahawks schedule? By the way, you can text DRAFT to 710-710 to receive exclusive Seahawks draft alerts throughout all seven rounds. Listen live Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And join us for our live video stream at 710sports.com throughout every minute of the draft, all three days. That's draft text DRAFT to 710-710 to stay plugged in. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports at night. A lot of fallout from the Russell Wilson negotiations and the end of that chapter, which you can put it to rest for at least four more seasons. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is in the fold. Four years, $140 million, $65 million signing bonus. When you hear um, about like his contract will be up in 2023 or whatever, do you think about the fact that you'll also be older in that year and then get kind of like nervous and sweaty? Yeah, I'll be 32 years old. I'll be 34. Wow. Like, will we still be on this Will we late still be night? friends? Oh, oh, absolutely. Really? Yes. Okay. I can bank that. <laughs> Stacy and I will Let's still be, be friends. friends forever. Okay. Should we get like a friendship bracelet? Tattoos. Yeah, ta- a blood oath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get really wild. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we solved that. There we go. And back to contract. All right. So the Seahawks are trying to figure out what they're doing after the Russell Wilson. What is their next priority? I'm sure they know. Why would Why would they tell us? We have no business knowing what they're doing, right? <laughs> like, we're just two yokels over here. What's just, a yokel? Like a joker or you know just you know just yokel sure okay yeah 
they have no business telling us what their plans are because we're not in that building. We're just out here talking to you. But we, like you, want to know what are they doing. And so we're just going to banter about about it because that's just how we advance this conversation. And so Frank Clark is definitely a part of that because him getting the franchise tag has been a huge part of what the Seahawks have been able or not been able to do this offseason. Has it hamstrung them? Has it kept them from reaching their full potential this offseason? Well, today, Tom Pelissero, who we talked about a little bit ago, he also joined John Clayton, and he said that there could be some takers for Frank Clark's services. So that brings us to tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did Did he he say say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True from the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. With the Professor John Clayton, you can catch that on the podcast page, 710sports.com. Click on the podcast. You can download our podcast there, too. Uh, Pelissero was talking about Frank Clark and just how there are actually some teams out there, if he were to be made available, that would definitely pull the trigger. You know, Frank Clark is looking out there at the DeMarcus Lawrence deal and saying, well, if DeMarcus got, what was it, about $21 million a year, something like that, you know, I, I want to get over that. Um, but that's a that, that's a sizable sum to commit be committing to uh, one player in that defense, especially if the trade market materializes for Frank Clark. And you know the way I hear it, there are several teams that are um, in the mix for Frank Clark. Nothing imminent on that front, but that's definitely a, a situation to watch as it plays out over the next nine days here. Several teams, in Pelissero's words, in mm-hmm. the hunt for Frank Clark, which they should do it like The Bachelor. Yeah. Go on a one-on-one date with like the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where would where would the Chiefs take you? They'd probably get. Well, you it would probably barbecue. be like the hometown dates, right? Yeah. So you you go to visit them, and then they try to just say like how the two of you kind of like this is what our life would be like. Kansas kind of City, thing. known as the city of fountains, so you could go like Curtis, make a wish I am in a fountain. So tired of you knowing <laughs> dumb trivia. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of barbecue there. What can you tell me about? Um, I'm picking a random city about Baltimore. Baltimore. Do you know a fact about Baltimore? A lot of crab there. No, uh, that's not a cool fact. No, no. I you'll... mean, that'd be a fun thing. To okay, do. it's Babe Ruth's hometown. Okay, okay, yeah. that's that's a good one. Yeah, uh, but the Seahawks. When he says teams are in the hunt for Frank Clark. Doesn't it that's, make it seem more... That's different than saying teams are interested. Yes. That seems like the Seahawks have put it out there that, like, hey, he's available. Well, it sounds like there have been offers. Yeah. Or that there is the talk of, what are you looking for? Is this something you might be interested in? And when I hear that, it's just like, oh, so Frank might get moved. Is that is that fair to draw from what Pelissero has said? I think so. I mean, I don't... I don't know if it'll happen, um, and uh, I'm I'm sure that the ideal for Seattle would be to keep him. But I think that I think that part of the reason it's a huge thing that people are entertaining is Seattle's lack of picks, um, and then the Russell Wilson contract, and the fact that I think the two things that stand out to me are uh, Frank Clark looking to get 21 plus million, so bigger than that Demarcus Lawrence deal. And and number two, um, Pelissero saying in the next nine days, implying that even though he says it's not imminent, 
it's like there's degrees of imminent yeah. <laughs> for him. He's like, I mean, it's not happening tomorrow, but next week it might. Yeah. And that <laughs> sounds like a threat. It's like, uh, I don't know. Let's say you're dating someone and they keep saying like, so when are we getting engaged or something like that? And it's like, it's not imminent, but they really want it done as soon as possible so that they can just, you know, brag to their friends about it, right? The thing is, it is kind of imminent. Yeah. Like, the the biological clock is ticking, just as Frank Clark's clock is ticking. What? Am I, am I losing you here? Am I, I feel like I've lost everybody. Yeah. Here, right? The biological <laughs> clock on Frank Clark is ticking. <laughs> He's 26 years Look, old. Look, he... <laughs> He wanted kids yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He actually has a daughter. Yeah, he does. Okay. A very cute one. Yeah. That. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like there's comparisons to be drawn from that, whereas you've got somebody like, okay, I'm ready to get my payday here. Yeah. Like, uh, what's the what's the hang-up? And the Seahawks are like, hold that thought. I've got to get my finances in order. I don't want to be on a pay plan here. I wonder if part of it is is that the Seahawks asking price, because the Seahawks have four picks – uh, and they're giving up, there's a huge drop-off after Clark that their asking price is is like top 15 first-rounder or or two first-rounders or first and second, or just, just pretty like astronomically high, and that other teams are thinking they can take advantage of the fact that Seattle has four picks and then trying to say, like, well, I well, mean, you only have four. We've seen in years six. past where... Richard Sherman was being dangled out on the trademark, and I think the Seahawks were asking for, what, a first-round pick in return for him when no team was going to pay. Uh, so a, just seeing what would happen. Yeah, and then last year the Seahawks wanting at least a second-rounder in return for Earl Thomas. This is something they've done time and time again is have an astronomically high asking price for these guys who are under deals just to see if they can actually go out and get that. In well, return. and I feel like that's kind of the life of a of a GM too. I think fans here trade, and they automatically think, you know, that it's happening or it's a sure thing. And I yeah. think really, it's just most players can be on the trade block most of the time. Yeah, I think there are very few people in the NFL that have never been floated in a trade rumor or no, because they're always going to kind of entertain. Like, yeah. well, what do you think about this one? Oh, I would imagine that's how oh, okay. the Jimmy Graham one happened. It's like, well, what about this? Yeah, and then all of a sudden they were like, "Wait a minute, we might pull the trigger." Yeah, that one was that was nuts. I remember like where I was when that Jimmy Graham trade went down. I was actually in this studio. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. And then I, I remember Bob Gross and Tom were on the air that day, and I got the alert on my phone, and none of them believed me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so I was just like, "No, like this is actually happening." There. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, dude, we're like a minute coming back from break, and then all of a sudden- It's weird, because you're real. not- It'd be one thing- I'm such a troll. It'd be one thing if I came in, and I was like, you guys, the Seahawks just traded for Jimmy Graham. I would I would be fine with no one believing me, because I am not a believable person most of the time. <laughs> but you don't really do the whole kind yeah. of fooling you with fake stories kind of thing. No, that's not my thing. That's I, not your style. No. It's not my stilo. I have, I have other ways of messing with people. Yeah. But that's not one of them. So, yeah, years later, still remember it. Like, there's, oh, okay. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. it is the show of record after you're all. You're right, you're they, right. They very. Oh, that's funny. MLA citation. Didn't have it that day. All right. Well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I look at Frank Clark as somebody who. If you put me in that GM chair for the Seahawks, 
I I move him. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh and it's if the Seahawks had more draft picks to work with this season, I would be less inclined to move Frank Clark simply because you have a better chance of, of hitting on at least What if they offer of you them. a first round um like a a mid in the 20s or late teens first rounder this year and a second rounder next year? I that that's very intriguing. Like I you get two first round picks to work with. You got the 21st pick and then say the 24th pick. Yeah. 25th pick. All of a sudden now you can use one of those picks to get even more picks in the 2018 What if it's the 29th pick? I mean, you I guarantee you there is a team that is willing to trade up to get that number I think number that's around where pick. Kansas City will be. Yeah. If the Chiefs want that pick, if they want to give that pick up to the Seahawks, I would take it. And then if the Seahawks want to use pick number 21 to move back and get a second rounder and maybe like an extra fourth rounder, that to me becomes pretty intriguing. And all of a sudden, now the Seahawks go from four picks to a a normal class of about seven. Mm -hmm. I'm for it. If they get anything even – I would take pick 32. See, that's the thing is I feel like people – just assume, well, you can trade down, and which isn't easy, but well, you can trade down, and then you can get more picks. But the picks that you can get trading down from a higher spot, it sounds elementary, but it puts you in a significantly better position. Yeah, it does. Because teams are going to be much more likely to trade up to 21. Well, because there's a player they probably want. Yeah. It hasn't come off the board yet. There's a lot of those guys, especially in the early second round, where it's like, or late first, I can't believe they fell this far. Yeah, I'm gonna pull the trigger. We've seen it in drafts past where guys who are available at 21 may have been mocked into the top 10. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, case in point, in 2005, he, him, and Alex Smith were one and two, mm-hmm. and then all, all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers falls to I think pick 24. Like, there's a possibility of that happening every single draft. What if Kyler Murray doesn't get picked number one? What if the Giants don't pick him at number six? Like, yeah. where is he going to get picked then? Maybe the Dolphins take him at 13 or whatever. At 21, there will be a player that, for some reason, falls. And, and it's going to be a, a reason, team, like, two days before the draft. They'll have found day some of, tweets. Yeah. yeah. There's just going to be something that happens. But the question is, do what? what can that team actually offer you? And what if it's just not a great trade partner, right? Yeah. There is that possibility as well. Being a but, GM sounds like just the worst. Yeah. Imagine how little sleep they're getting. Less sleep than we're getting being I'm this so late. tired. Yeah. Imagine. I was writing about Russell Wilson at 2 a.m. Imagine tacking on a couple more hours to your day tonight and like having to be as like awake as possible and then doing the same exact thing. Three hours later. I think if I was a GM, I would be 300 pounds. Because the thing is, I would be eating all the time late at night. And also, you just reach a point when you're working weird hours where you realize you haven't eaten for 12 hours. So you think, oh, I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, you just shove food (laughs) down your gullet. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, that takes takes care of the next 15 hours of food. I'm good. Yeah. You got to space it out a little bit. Space it out a little bit, okay? Coming up next, it is time for Four Down Territory. Which Seahawks game are you most looking forward to next season, home or away? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Rost, right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got dig deep, deep, deep. Darn right we do. We're digging deep right here. Four Down Territory, Seattle Sports at Night. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacy Ross. That's here. me. It is. There's no other Stacys in this room. There's nobody else in this room other than us two. So who else would I be throwing it to? <laughs> Four Down Territory. <laughs> We wrap up the first hour of every show. I can't with stop <laughs> laughing. It's a dumb joke. Okay. Just throw to it. Throw to right. the first one. Number one. All right, first down. Are we good? I'm done. We're good. Okay. Stacy, I got on my soapbox last segment saying that I would be all for trading Frank Clark. Sure did. Would trading Frank Clark be a mistake? I'm not 100% either way. Right now, I'm going to say yes. I think that you just paid Russell Wilson. You're probably going to pay Bobby Wagner. Both of those guys are going to be in their early 30s, and I think you capitalize on Frank Clark's time in Seattle by by paying more right now, at least maybe another franchise tag uh, or as short-term deal as you can do, um, because your pass rush is is just not as stout without him. And you have some promising young guys developing, Jacob Martin being one of them, Rasheem Green. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, But without Frank Clark, you're in trouble. And I don't know that your offense, your run-first offense, can put up the points it needs if if you're allowing huge chunks of yardage from opposing teams. Number two. Second down here to you, Stacey. Which 2019 Seahawks home opponent are you most looking forward to? And then, I guess, second part of the question, road opponent. Yeah. Home opponent, I'm going to say Baltimore. I think it'll be interesting to see. uh, I think Earl Thomas is just a fun player to watch, a great athlete. It'll be interesting to see him not only on a new team, but to see him opposite Russell Wilson in not a training camp setting uh, will be really interesting. Um, And I think uh, a way... Here's the thing. This this team for away could also have been done for home, uh, but that it's in their own stadium I think makes it more appealing. I'm going to say the L.A. Rams. And as long as the L.A. Rams uh, continue to to sit atop the NFC West, they're always going to be the measuring stick that Seattle is held to. And last year, Seattle had two of their best rushing performances against L.A. Both times came away with a loss. So it'll be interesting to see if this year they can split that or better. I look at the schedule right now. Well, we don't know the schedule as it's laid out, but we know the opponents. That Buccaneers game, a little interesting now with Bruce Arians being their head coach. Oh, yeah. He's had a lot of success in Seattle against the Seahawks, against Pete Carroll's team. Tampa Bay, their roster may not be the most talented in the league, but, I mean, Bruce Arians, for whatever reason, he uh, he likes coming up here. Might so, be his transition lenses. Ooh, or his Kangol hat. What's a Kangol hat? It's the the hat that he wears. It's like the one that L. Oh, like Will a Page Boy, whatever. Yeah, kind of. Okay, okay. It's the brand of hat. Got it. Yeah, that's the uh, the home opponent I'm looking forward what to. What about the most. away? Away, Cleveland. I thought about Cleveland. The Browns are just because they're so the intriguing. NFL. They really are. They're so intriguing to me this year. Odell Beckham. You've got Nick Chubb and uh, the running back from Kansas City, Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, obviously as. as engaging of a personality as he is their defense with Miles Garrett Cleveland I think is the road game I'm most looking forward to number three third down to you Stacy 
That's Stacy Rost, 710sports.com. Seahawks insider. Yesterday, the Seahawks began their offseason OTA programs. Jake Heaps, I remember him. He used to oh, talk yeah. to us. Oh, no, yeah. That name rings a bell. Yeah, he used to be with us anyway. Uh, he was on with Brock and Salk this morning, and he reported that Frank Clark and Bobby Wagner were absent at the team's very first offseason program. What was the more concerning absence, Clark or Wagner? I think without a doubt, it's Wagner, who still remains under contract. Um, and and Clark, as a franchise tag player who hasn't signed his franchise tag, isn't obligated to to do the same things in an offseason that he, he would be if he were under a long-term deal. So um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Clark not at... Uh, you know, voluntary workouts and, and things like that. But um, with Wagner, it'll be interesting to hear, you know, was it was he just not pictured? Was he, you know, gone for a family reason? Um, and I think that that's a player that, that you're watching. I don't think Bobby Wagner is going to hold out. I think he's, he's a team player and um, I think likes being a leader in that locker room. But uh, I think that, you know, that contract for Wagner is kind of going to linger um, over that team all offseason. I think... Bobby saw how the Seahawks rewarded K.J. Wright, even in a down year where Wright was out for a lot of it. I think he saw how K.J. handled Mm -hmm. his upcoming contract status. And I think Bobby noticed that and was like, you know what? I think if I handle it in a similar way, I could get what I want out of the Seahawks as well. Well, and Pete Carroll has said blatantly Bobby Wagner is a Seahawk. They want him to stay. I think it's just a numbers game, so I don't. I don't think it's long term concerning. But you know, if we're talking first day checking in, which of the two? Yeah, I think Wagner. Number four, fourth down, last opportunity to get seven before we peace out of here on this Tuesday night. Can you imagine if one time you asked me one of these and you were like, "Nope, just wrong answer." You sorry, didn't get it. Stacey. I take over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you answered. Yes, it's the my wrong segment way. now. <laughs> Uh, but question four here, fourth down. Which position group went up in importance mm-hmm. to the Seahawks after the signing of Russell Wilson? Jake was asked this question this morning, uh, filling in for Brock Hewitt. Too bad Brock we couldn't himself. ask him this yeah, question on his own show. Too bad he couldn't be on with us now. Uh, and I do agree with him that offensive line, uh, you know, making sure your personnel there, that you've got a stout group, um, a deep group. Uh, to, to protect that $35 million a year player. But I think next you might be looking at, at wide receiver. They haven't managed to really hit on a drafted receiver um, in a while. David Moore was a seventh-round pick and, and, and had a promising year, but um, you know didn't have like a breakout year that someone like Doug Baldwin had as an undrafted rookie coming in. Um, so I think what you want to see is, whether it's through the draft or elsewhere, you need to start building up that depth uh, to give Wilson targets. Because while I know that it's a run-first offense, I know that they pass the ball. We're the only team in the league to pass the ball for less than 50% of plays. I would imagine they want that to be just a little bit more balanced. I don't think Dwayne Brown is alone in thinking that they could be a little closer to 50-50. And so I think that you start pushing toward that by by building up that receiver group. No, it's offensive <laughs> line. <laughs> Uh, that is going to do it for us <laughs> <laughs> in four-down territory. I was going to say anything else. Uh, Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Thank you for your time. No. You are not on the show anymore. Oh, man. That's going to do it for us here on this Tuesday night. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. It's going to be a full house. It's going to be my... All three of us. Yeah, it's going to be Jake Heaps. He'll, the prodigal son will finally return home. Do you think he'll remember us? What if he what calls if me Curtis? Like, such a big shot as Yeah, he like, comes in with sunglasses uh, on. Yeah. Yeah. Who yes again? Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> What if he just shoots down our Forgets answers like I are. just did? Uh, no. He like we ask him a question and we throw to him live. Yeah, and then he just like continues texting on his phone oh, for like ten guys, seconds and puts it down. Yeah, you guys wanted it. Uh, yeah. No, I guess. I mean, uh... <laughs> it's like, oh man, no. Jake would never do such a thing. He is one of the great people out there. I'm just saying this is like someone desperate to get him back. Cause, like, he's given all these other shows exclusives. I know. What about us? What about us? Don't forget who you came up with. Exactly. Never forget who you're shooting in the gym with you from day one. We were your day ones, Jake. Remember that. We'll be back tomorrow we'll night. We'll see you tomorrow, Jake. <laughs> this is Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.